0: I I was destined to be in the kitchen, you know what I mean? I was destined to, to show this food to the world. And what I want more than anything is to show Australia how special this is and for all Australians to embrace it.
1: We are taking a walk today on Dirty Linen. We are heading to Byron Bay to celebrate the documentary series Great Australian Walks with Julia Zamiro which is screening on SBS. We're not talking to Julia, we are doing even better. We are talking today to Mindy Woods, a proud Bundjalung woman uh, in living in the Northern Rivers region. A lot of people will know Mindy from her time on MasterChef, a, a couple of seasons, 2012 and again back for the Favorites in 2022. And a lot of people will also have been lucky enough to eat at Kakala, her restaurant in Byron Bay. Mindy, welcome to Dirty Linen.
0: Jingila, how are you, Danny?
1: I'm really good and really happy to be chatting to you. Tell us about Great Australian Walks and I suppose how important is it to walk through the places that we inhabit?
0: Oh, it was such a beautiful experience to be able to walk through country with Julia. I think it's a, one of those things that we forget to do. You know, we're so busy, even when we travel, to jumping on planes and trains and automobiles to travel around and jam everything in. But taking those moments to, you know, get bare feet and walk out on country and really soak up the beauty that is around us. I think so many times we forget that we live in such an environmentally and culturally rich country to you know to take the time out and to be out on country is just something truly special
1: and as a Bunjilung woman with that special connection to country what are you hoping to share when when you take us with you
0: I just love people to experience Australia through a cultural lens, you know. I mean we travel overseas, you know, I mean it's kind of rite of passage for Aussies, isn't it? To travel overseas and to get those incredible cultural experiences overseas to kinda eat the food and to see all the beautiful monuments and buildings and we really forget that we have the oldest thriving civilisation here right on our doorstep and to go out onto country and to look at Australia through that ancient lens, it really gives you a deeper appreciation for this beautiful place we get to call home.
1: Well, take us for a little bit of a walk. Like, What are some of the things that we're seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling as we walk with you?
0: Um, I mean, I I just imagine being out on country and, you know, people think Byron's is trendy, hip little beach town. You know, they call it Little Hollywood these days. But, of course, when I walk out on country, what I see is creation. You know, I hear the sounds of the oceans standing out on Clark's Beach, which is the main beach there. see all these beautiful people out there enjoying the sun and the beach. But if you just have a panoramic view from that beach, you can see three sacred sites to Bunjalung people. You can see Wolgan or Mount Warning, which is a men's initiation and sacred site. You can see Nothing Gully, which is the resting place of our creator, and you call that Julian Rocks. And then you've got you know, Wolgan on the on the other side. So there's, you know, three beautiful landscapes there that we can all really appreciate and take in.
1: So I mean I suppose a lot of people will be in those landscapes without that awareness. I mean, if, you know, let's say I'm visiting somewhere that I haven't been before and I don't have that knowledge of those sacred sites, what do you reckon I could do just as I'm walking, as I'm being to, I suppose, be respectful and connected to where I am.
0: I mean, one of the things that our elders always say to us is to which means to be quiet and to which is to listen and which is to watch. You know, taking the moment just to really soak up what's happening around you and using all of your senses. Our country is so immersive, you know, and when you're experiencing it, when you're switching off your voice and you have a deeper listening, you're connecting to something that's so special and so uniquely ours in Australia. You know, people don't realise like these places have a rich and ancient culture. For us, Byron Bay is actually called Cavern Bar, which is meeting place. And for us, that old ancient history of people coming and congregating and holding ceremonies hunting, gathering and holding celebrations still really happens to this day. I mean we see in a modern society people still coming to Byron Bay to do all of those things but really in a modern context. So for us that dreaming continues and we'd really love people just to, you know, just to even consider or get curious about the ancient culture that is there, the First Nations people that are the traditional custodians, the language spoke. You know, in those communities till this very day, and of course for me, those beautiful native food landscapes.
1: Yeah, well, let's um, dig into the food side of things. It's a food podcast, after all. We can swing and be a little bit on topic, but all that other stuff is so much more. is is so important to talk about as well. But how would you love people to connect with um, Australia's uh, Indigenous uh, story through ingredients through food?
0: well for us everything does have a story you know we're the oldest storytellers on earth first nations australians and we believe that everything has a story you know our our country has a story our oceans it has a story and of course our native food also has a story and it's a way for us to understand the the deeper aspects of this country when you experience our culture through our food. You know, like I go back to what I said before, we travel the world to experience cultures and a lot of that's got to do with the food or the beverage that we're experiencing in those places, whether it's the champagnes of France and the beautiful cheeses and the pizzas and pastas of Italy. What we don't connect with here is our Food culture, you know, and I really it makes me cringe a little bit inside when people say, you know, what's an Australian? What's Australian food? It's meat pies and sausage rolls, and I just think, oh my god, we're so much richer than that. You know, we've got the oldest foods in the world. First Nations people were the the first bakers of the world. We were we had the oldest form of aquaculture in the world, and for us to really embrace that, celebrate it, and protect it is the responsibility of all Australians. I feel like if Australians become more connected with our ancient native ingredients, they're going to feel more connected to this place we're so lucky to call home. And I want everyone to have a real sense of pride and a real sense of belonging, being Australian, whether you're First Nations or not. And I think we can do that through food.
1: Yeah, I think you're so right. And uh, there is so much to be excited about and I agree. Like the the baking is is just so phenomenal when you think about it. I mean, there's this orthodoxy that you know the the first baking happened you know ten or twelve thousand years ago in northern Africa. You know, when grain was domesticated. It's like, ah, uh, hello. There's another story we can tell and really, really tap into um, and be. Yeah, it, it is about connection. It, it is also about pride, but I think it's also It's about how do we, I suppose, take that forward and innovate together, um, yeah, to to bring it to prominence.
0: I think a lot of people don't realise how abundant and how varied our First Nations food is, you know, I mean, we all go back to those stereotypes that it's, you know, witchy grubs and kangaroo and, and not much else, that it's bush tucker, that it's food for survival, but it is so much more than that. They are world-class ingredients. And of course, their connection to country and culture is absolutely inseparable from them. You know, they are part of our dreaming, they're a part of our stor- stories, our songs, they're part of our, you know, our very existence to this very day. And the stories and the connectedness around each of those cultures is so important to recognize. The food from Bunjilung Jagoon in Bunjilung country is so different from anywhere else in Australia. I was really fortunate just to be in Lotawita down in Tasmania recently. And of course, the food down there and the food culture for the traditional people of um, Tasmania is so different to what you find on Bunjilung Jagoon. And it's different for what I'm going to find up the top end or down at Noongar country in Western Australia australia because you think our food is just as diverse as our geography and so are our cultures our language and our people so it really makes me excited to think of you know the storylines of of providence when it comes to native food you know you think of kind of cultures and i go back to france because they do it so well and all through europe they have appellation systems in place that recognise the cultural significance of these foods. And I really believe that we should be doing the same in Australia for our native food industry.
1: So how do you do it at Karkala? Is it is it very uh, Bundjalung focused or is it bringing in ingredients from other parts of the country? Well, tell, mm-hmm. tell us it's about much, it.
0: Yeah, so we feature locally sourced, seasonal and local Indigenous products. So for the most part, 90% or more of our menu actually features food that's endemic to Bundjalung country. And I'm very lucky, I've got to say, because Bundjalung country is very abundant. We are, you know, we've got beautiful rainforest. It's a place where rainforest meets the sea. So we've got rainforest foods. We've got beautiful coastal foods. We've got ocean foods and we really do have an abundance. We've got our beautiful myrtle family, lemon myrtle, cinnamon myrtle, aniseed myrtle. And it's, I mean, if anyone hasn't experienced any of those, either eating them or in your cooking, you've really got to get onto it. They're absolutely incredible native spice. We've got an abundance of native fruits. So we've got midgen berries and we've got Our beautiful Davidson plum. We've got Baderkin plum and Illawarro brown pine plum. You know, we've got lemon aspen and beech acronychia. Like I could keep going on and on and on. I've got an abundance of beautiful, unique ingredients to work with. And, of course, my ancestors have been eating those foods for thousands of years, and because of our ancestors looking after country and these beautiful ingredients, we get to enjoy them today, and that's what I really want to connect people with. You know, our ancestors had an innate relationship with country. Food wasn't just something they took from country; it was a way that they formed a relationship with country. And the reason we know that these foods are one, that they're edible; two, that they're good for us; and nutritional, um, you know, properties. We also know that a lot of them were medicine foods, and that a lot of these plants were also cultural tools for our people. So they weren't just about taking food to eat. It was a way of really connecting with with their country.
1: And so, I mean, I'm just absolutely blown away by that variety and all those different ingredients and I fully believe that you could keep going and going how does it how does it translate into a restaurant experience like give us any give some give us some examples of how you know people might experience a meal at Kakala.
0: yeah well uh we kind of say ancient ingredients and modern flavors I mean the way that I want to convince people that these foods are so incredibly special is that I'm kind of transforming them into recognizable modern-day cuisine, but I'm really turning turning the dial up on the experience. You know, we've got these beautiful native rock oysters that we get from our local oyster farmer. And we serve them over hot coals just like our ancestors would when they were sitting around their mittens, you know, thousands of years ago. I use a beautiful lemon myrtle that I create into an oil that we, you know, put over the coals and we put over the oysters and we make a beautiful macadamia cream. So we want to really give a Bunjilung, you know, First Nations experience in, in, I guess, a modern setting. We make a beautiful, you know, wattle seed butter with native bush honey and we serve that with a hot, you know, crusty damper. There are so many things things and so many ways to be creative about this beautiful food and it really is a complete sensory experience when our guests come to dine with us we take out a beautiful platter, a and full of our native products, we talk to our guests about the products, we talk about their flavour profiles, we talk about their traditional uses where they are found how they were used and harvested and then of course those, that platter goes back into the kitchen and that's what we're serving out to our guests, we want our guests to have a connection to these ingredients we want them to have a really memorable dining experience so my hope is that if they really fall in love with our food they're going to be really curious about our culture they're going to you know want to kind of be allies with us moving forward and you know kind of reconciliation is really at the core of it I guess I want them to fall in love with our food so they fall in love with our culture so we can all protect our country together.
1: I mean I feel like I want to talk about the voice, so the, the referendum that's coming up this year. I mean, personally, I'm so excited to vote yes um, and, uh, yes, yeah, cement an Indigenous voice to parliament in the constitution. Do you feel like, you know, this is part of the work that you're doing as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I want to create an environment where it's a very safe place place for people to have conversation. And for me, food brings us all together. It's one of those beautiful things that unites us. And we say when it's abundant, you know, it brings us together and when it's scarce, it creates wars. And we live in a place where food is abundant. So when we get to connect together, we get to eat together, we share stories, we get to understand each other a little bit more. And what we realise is that we've got more differences than we do have things that divide us. And I want people to appreciate that, you know, food is a safe place that they can connect to First Nations culture. It is a way of appreciating and acknowledging the oldest culture that is part of our history as well. And it's a way that they can connect their everyday life to our beautiful ancient culture through integrating it, whether it's growing it in their gardens or using it in their everyday food, you know, it's a real opportunity for us to all come together.
1: And when people think about native ingredients, I guess one of the issues is that uh, so little of the actual, the business, the money flows back to Aboriginal people. I mean, how do you see that side of the industry is it
0: is. it's disappointing isn't it i mean when you think of you know this 80 million dollar industry is based on the ancient knowledge of our ancestors that's been passed down orally for thousands of years i mean i was fortunate enough to have information and knowledge handed down to me from my beautiful Nan Margie Felton and from my mum and from my aunties and I'm still learning to this very day. So it is a great shame that this industry that's moving at speed, that has international demand, that only well less than 2% of that entire supply chain is actually going back to community. That does break my heart a little bit because if we, we break that chain, and for us it's inseparable, between country culture and these beautiful ingredients, we are all missing out on something that is so significant and so important, you know, from these ingredients. And I go back to that idea of that Appalachian system, that idea of protecting the culture that surrounds these foods because it is so important, not just for First Nations people, but it's important for all Australians.
1: So, I mean, is, what can we do if we're purchasing um, indigenous ingredients to, I suppose, try to change change the game here?
0: I think just get curious and ask questions. You know, if you are buying from a supplier, ask them what country they're sourcing their ingredients from, what communities they're working with. You know, the the big part of the native food sector, and I I think it's a responsibility of anyone working in native food, is that they are connecting to the culture that these foods have, have come from, that they're working in with mob, that they're kind of inviting them in to not only sit at the table, but to have a voice at the table too. And Danny, this isn't a financial conversation. I know people always go back to them thinking, about, oh, you know, Mob just wants a handout. Absolutely not. We want a hand up. We want to be invited to the table. We want a voice there because we have so much to offer, you know, and we have so much to give and I just – uh, it just blows my mind the generosity of spirit and the graciousness of our elders. Because when I open my business and I go out on country and I'm doing talks all around this beautiful place, Australia, I always ask their permission, and they always say to me, "You go out there and you do that, Bob. You tell them our story. You know, you make it. You make us proud." And their graciousness, you know, for forgiving, and their generosity of spirit, considering what they have been through in their lives you know, they do deserve to be part of this industry and they do deserve to be included.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, and I don't think there's any problem with it being financial as well. Like why it should be, it should be all those things that you talk about, of course, but why not? Why shouldn't it be financial? I mean, if there are people making money out of it, shouldn't it be um, the people who are the traditional owners? Um, but, and speaking of that grace and generosity. I mean, anyone who's listening to this that hasn't uh, listened to or read the Uluru Statement from the Heart, um, I really do encourage you to, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes because that is such a gracious invitation to walk together to everybody's benefit and enrichment. And um, yeah, it's just so, it is so moving, the generosity that's, that's in that statement.
0: Yeah, and I think there's, you know, there is a big heart piece in it. I think, you know, we we are ready, you know, certainly my mob, my community, we're ready to walk forward together. You know, I feel like the last 250 years has really cast an incredibly dark shadow over our nation. It's one that we all grapple with. We, we're finding ways to move forward together. An acknowledgement of the past is incredibly important so we can acknowledge what happens. We can make sure things are put in place so it doesn't happen or continue to happen. But finding ways of moving forward together, and I feel like you know, obviously, the voice is going to be an incredibly important piece for all of us as Australians to move forward, and native food is also going to be an incredibly important way, a great catalyst for change.
1: Mindy, I'd love to learn a bit about your pathway to being such a such an articulate, passionate, uh, multi-hatted, um, yeah. Uh, person in this space like um, you mentioned some of the the women that were so important to you growing up but I mean how what what set you on your path?
0: Oh Danny, I was so lucky you know I just look back to my childhood and I didn't realize those moments that I was out on country with my my family and we had a big mob so out on country with my family how they would later on in life really steer not only my career but what I believe is is my purpose in life is to protect native food and to create opportunities for all Australians to be connected with these beautiful ingredients. You know, when I was a little girl, we my, my Nan had 11 kids. So she had, you know, a lot of grandkids when you think about it. Nan actually raised 20 children in a three-bedroom home in North Mall. And our favourite time of years was going to our Nan's Place, you know, for school holidays and anytime we could, going up to her home and always feeling so welcome, so much food on the table and all the family being around. And she would jam us all into the back of their Ford Falcon, like more kids than there were seatbelts. <laughs> That's for sure. You wouldn't get away with it these days. But driving us down to those beaches, you know, those beautiful beaches down along that eastern coastline and Bunjilung country. And we were there all day. We were there from, you know, from – us to dawn and we were out there running up and down the beaches, swimming in the oceans. We were getting the yuguri, you know, the pippy dance, getting up those big fat yuguri and cooking them on the fire and cracking oysters off the rocks and filling them into jam jars for our nan. And she'd convinced us that oysters were no good. You know, they didn't taste any good, but you know, you just leave them for nan. And of course, later on, we got a taste of them. We figured out that they were just a beautiful taste of the ocean and nan would have to start sharing them around. But you know, getting taken up into those sand dunes and and picking Kakala, Yuli, for the first time with my nan, you know, her breaking it between her hands and rubbing it on my skin because I was so fair compared to the rest of them. And I'd end up, you know, sunburnt so she'd rub it on my skin and say, there you go, bub, get back down there. And we'd be racing around those sand dunes, you know, fighting to find those beautiful bush lilies, you know, the pig face of Yuli, the Kakala, that beautiful salty strawberry fruit that sits under the those beautiful flowers and they were just – they were hot under the sun and they were so juicy. They were so refreshing and sweet and salty. I mean, I, I was destined to be in the kitchen, you know what I mean? I was destined to to show this food to the world and, you know, I, I get the opportunity to, to travel overseas. I get the opportunity to take our native food overseas and, and show people what it's all about but what I want more than anything it's to show Australia how special this is and for all Australians to embrace this because it's very quickly being taken out of our hands, you know. We've got industries around our native food that is growing far more overseas and it's being grown in our own country and that terrifies me. You think of lemon myrtle. It's being grown more in Thailand and in Malaysia and in China than it is in the Northern Rivers region and across all Australia where it's endemic too that terrifies me. You know, we look at finger limes, our beautiful Gula Lung, another beautiful Bundjalung food that's now being grown in Spain and France and Italy and being, you know, sold at record prices, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere. That food, that natural resource that belongs in Australia and belongs to all Australians is being taken out of our hands. I
1: did not realise that. That is that is really quite chilling to think about, especially when you talk about, you know, the, the deep, the meaning behind these foods as well, that it's it's not just, um,
0: yeah, it's. Mm. it's it, it, Yeah, it, it's terrifying. You know, macadamia is people, a lot of people don't realise that macadamia is our native nut, you know, and of course that was taken offshore because it wasn't seen to have a, a financial or a culinary value in our country when we first were colonized and it has been grown in Hawaii it's often known as the Hawaiian nut it's now being grown at a huge rate in South Africa it's being grown globally across the world and of course our poor macadamia farmers back home in Australia are really suffering now because the the market's completely bottomed out in our own country and I can see the same thing happening for our farmers with within, you know, the whole native food sector. You know, these foods, these resources belong in Australia. They belong to be, you know, they deserve to be protected in Australia. And I always think, you know, what are we doing? We're taking all these incredible minerals that stabilise country, that stabilise earth. We're taking these minerals out of country where we could just be investing in the native food sector. They grow here. They belong here. They don't need herbicides, pesticides or any of those crazy fertilisers to help them grow because, they're adapt to our environment. They're drought resistant. You know, they tolerate high saline levels as well. That's what flavours them so beautifully. And that's why I love those beautiful coastal succulents. Our warrigal Green our native spinach, it tastes like country. They're salty, they're briny. You don't have to add as much salt into your food. We've got an abundance of native food that grows here, that is endemic here, that is so nutritionally dense as well. Of course, they really are the superfoods of the world without having that trendy title. So why aren't we looking at propagating them, cultivating them and growing them here on country?
1: Yeah, well, it, it absolutely makes sense. So I suppose when we're looking at some of these ingredients, we have to look at the supply chain uh, within Australia, but also just, I suppose, check that they're not coming from overseas. Cause I guess that'll be the next thing that, um, that those, those macadamias or those, those Davidson plums or whatever it is will get imported back here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, they are getting imported back. That's a crazy thing. Please do check when you're buying macadamias. Please check that they're Australian. I mean, it's new season macadamia time at the moment, and I tell you, when you eat a fresh macadamia that has just been harvested from country, the sweetness, the creaminess, the buttery kind of consistency of these nuts is so much more delicious than those dirty old rancid nuts that are sitting on those you know supermarket shelves that have been there for months and months and months, and you have to eat. local get out into your farmers markets Ask your local farmers if they're growing any native foods on their properties. Now, what we're finding in the Northern Rivers at the me- moment is that I'm going out and I'm working a lot with the farmers to try and increase the biodiversity. When you've got biodiversity of your crops, what you're finding is that you're increasing your yields of your, t- your normal, your typical crops because you're welcoming in the birds and bees, you know, and we say the Bundjalung, that are helping to increase that biodiversity. And, of course, everything is more abundant. So there is, there is a big sustainability you know piece in this there's a big environmental piece in this there is a food security piece in this native food ticks all of those boxes when it comes to all of those things
1: uh, yeah it's it's very compelling. So Mindy, I have not made it to Kakala yet. I haven't even been, Girlfriend, I, I know what are you do it. Well, I haven't even <laughs> I haven't been to that part of the world for so long, but I feel like it's drawing me very strongly after this conversation. Uh, when I come to Kakala, what are you going to feed me?
0: Oh, girl, I've, I've got to feed you some of our beautiful kind of signature dishes, of course, our beautiful rock oysters that are, you know, served up on those coals. I mean, there is just nothing like it. It just transports you to sitting down at the beach and sitting around a campfire. We've got a beautiful native green curry, so I use all those beautiful spices I was talking about, a beautiful lemon myrtle, our nice myrtle, our cinnamon myrtle. I use native lemongrass, native ginger. People don't even realise we've got native lemongrass and native ginger, in this country. We've create a really beautiful native green curry that is nothing like a Thai green curry but very much inspired by I guess the process of making that paste. Um, and then we serve that up with a beautiful crispy you know fish wing. So we try and use all the beautiful parts of our seafood when we serve it up. And of course we've got an incredible paper bark smoked ice cream that just is, is, is next level. You know I like to use paper bark in traditional ways, wrapping food, cooking food in it, but taking it to the next level where I'm infusing the flavor of that smoky paper bark and imparting it into our food as well. So I want it to be an experience. I want you to fall in love with our food, our culture, our country, our jargon. I want you to realize how special and unique and important these foods are for all Australians, and to really kind of embrace them not only in these you know deadly restaurants that we've got around country, but to bring them into your home kitchen as well.
1: Uh, I am more than sold literally check, checking <laughs> flights um, Mindy how can I say thank you in language to you for sharing everything with us today
0: well sister girl thank you for asking we say bear, which means thank you so much and, bear, garama," thank you with gratitude you know it's been such a pleasure you know chatting with you today and I get you know any opportunity I get to talk about native food and to try and inspire and get people curious around it I you know I jump at the chance so and uh, thank you so much,
1: Boogabay Yahweh. Is that right? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> okay, Boogabay Yahweh, uh, Mindy. Um, yeah, it's the first word I've learned, but I'll learn some more. And I can't wait to uh, see you up there on beautiful Bunjilun Country. Thank you so much,
0: Boogabay Deadly. Can't wait to see you soon. Thanks, Danny.
1: This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant.